right, well, today we're, gonna fit, we're not going to finish, but uh, we're going we're gonna to talk again about a series that I've called Cowboys, Culture, and Christianity. Cowboys, Culture, and Christianity. And how would we define those three things? Well, cowboys, good, salty, earth, men and women, cowgirls, uh, men and women that love horses, love cattle, love the Western lifestyle. They love everything about it. That's a cowboy. It's in their heart. It's not just what they wear. It's inside of them. It's who they are. Um, we also talked about the culture, and we're going to continue to talk about the culture. The culture is not just the Western culture. It's the sinful world that we live in. It's, it incorporates and encompasses everything, not just you know Western culture. Uh, then Christianity. Christianity is, is the term that we use that we call ourselves. We're a part of a Christian church. Christianity is trusting in God, trusting in the Savior with all your heart. That's what we're a part of, and that's what we claim. And we won't back down. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Any Tom Petty fans? Anybody not know who Tommy Petty is? Yeah, thank you, all the old school people. I like Tom Petty. Well, Sam Elliott, actually, I got inspired. I was watching Barnyard with my kids, you know. Have you ever seen that, that Barnyard cartoon? Okay, again, maybe you're not like me. I watched Barnyard, okay? And in that, in that movie, Sam Elliott sings, Won't Back Down. So you need to rent that just to, just to listen to Sam Elliott sing that song because he rocks that song. And that's what we were inspired to sing, Won't Back Down. Well, that's, that's what we do. I mean, as, as, as a Christian church, we're not going to back down. But here's the truth. We're not going to do it in a prideful way. And I say this all the time because we want to walk out of here with our chest out, our you know boots swagging. <laughs> I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we want to step out of here and go, yeah, we got it right. The Christians got it right. And that's not the attitude that we should have, right? We ought to take what we know and share it humbly with the world so that they can come to know Christ. And so here's the, here's the goal of this series. The goal is this, to reveal biblical truths, biblical, which is our authority, not me, not you, not the, not the culture. The Bible is our authority. So we're here to reveal biblical truths that every Christian, cowboy, cowgirl, or any individual everywhere should stand for in a sin-filled world. Why? So that the lost can be set free from their sin. And you say, well, how does standing for something set others free? It does it by our example. When we live out what we say we believe, people's lives are changed. It's not just walking into the world and start sharing Jesus with everybody. It's living it out, and they see it in us, and then they go, I want that. So it, it starts with us. It starts with our right life, our being right with God, and that's what changes the world. And so we've got to stand for it. We've covered topics like homosexuality, what the culture says and what the truth of God's word says about it. We've talked about the Sabbath day, what the culture says and what the... Word of God says about that. We talked about last week the tongue. Remember the tongue, the cow tongue? By the way, that was gone in like two seconds. Did, did anybody know who took it? Anybody took I had a cow tongue last week if you weren't here, and it was gone, man. I don't know what somebody was thinking. Because that looked nasty to me. I didn't eat no cow tongue. But anyways, okay, here today we're going to continue this look. And here's the, here's the topic. Cowboys... 
You ready? Greed and Christianity. You're like, holy smoke. What's he going to say about greed? The truth is, we all deal with greed. And the truth is this. Greed is not about money. It's not always about money. It can be about money, but it's not about money. But our world says, charge it. Get it. Get it while you can. Don't worry about where the money will come from. You better buy, buy, buy. More, more, more. Get, get, get. All you can before you die. Right? That's what the world says. Give that position. It's yours. Take it no matter the cost. From Bernie Madoff to the Black Friday, there is greed in our world. You don't know who Bernie Madoff, anybody know who Bernie Madoff is? He probably took some of your money. I think he embezzled in a Ponzi scheme over, I don't know how many, anybody know? Billions. $17 billion. I don't, I don't really know if that's the true number, but billions. He took people for billions because he was greedy, and it destroyed his family. And, and, and you say Black Friday is not a bad thing, and maybe you don't know what Black Friday is. Black Friday is that Friday after, is it Thanksgiving? And where people go nuts, and they, they push people over to get into Walmart, and they kill people or fight on aisle five. They're like, blood on aisle five. Two ladies just got into a fight. Why? Because they're greedy. Right? I mean, is going to Black Friday wrong? No, my wife goes to Black Friday. She got us a TV last year uh, on Black Friday. I praise God for that. <laughs> but here's the truth. When it becomes greed and you do whatever it takes to get it, that's where it gets wrong. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And cowboys aren't immune to, to greed, are they? Anybody ever, uh, anybody ever roped a, a calf or a cow out in the pasture? Anybody? A few people. Okay. Well, let me explain it, my greediness, okay? If there's a calf or a cow that gets out in the, in, in the pasture and someone says, go get it, guess who's the first one to it? Me. And if you're in my way, I'm going to run you over, right? That's, that's my personal greed. But here's what happens typically. What happens typically is you either cause a wreck. Can I get a witness? Okay, you guys are liars. If you've you never done this. You either cause a wreck, you either run that cow through the fence, can I get a witness, or you miss. I mean, if you're trying to rope it, it's either you cause a wreck, you, you run them through the fence, or you miss because you're so greedy trying to get to that cow. And it's kind of fun, but it's also part of our greediness. Listen, we all deal with greediness in one way or another, to, and today we're going to expose what it looks like to be greedy. But more importantly, guess what? We're going we're to show you how to overcome it. Again, it's not enough for me as a pastor to show you where you're wrong or to show me where I'm wrong. What's more important is, is teaching people how to overcome things in life, right? I mean, that's what's more important. So I'm not here to chew on you today. I'm here to uh, take a, a, a beating myself, I guess you could say, because I deal with it as well. Well, when we think of greed, we only think of money. But the truth is, money is not the only form of greed. Let me give you some examples. And where do I get them? From the Word of God. You ready for these? If you're taking notes, listen. This is a good time to take notes. Biblical examples of greediness. Number one, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, in the garden, they had all this fruit, but they ate from the fruit that God said that they couldn't eat from. You know why? They were greedy to be like God. Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's sons, 
Uh, Cain was a farmer. He brought some fruit that he had grown to God for, for a sacrifice, but it wasn't good enough. It was unacceptable to God. But Abel brought the best lamb that he could find because he was a rancher, and God accepted it over Cain's. Okay, you getting this? So what, is, what does Cain do? He kills his brother. Why? Because he was greedy for position. He didn't want Abel to get all the, the glory. He didn't want Abel to be in that top position, so he killed his brother. What about Samson? Remember the story of Samson? Samson was a strong man, had long hair. He, he was in it for the women, right? Who was the particular woman that he was in it with? Delilah. Remember that story? And Delilah, because, because Samson was greedy for pleasure, he lost all his strength and killed himself. Remember that? Jacob and Esau, twin brothers. Esau was the oldest by minutes, but therefore he had inherited the birthright. Listen to this. He would receive more inheritance than Jacob and be the successor of his dad, Isaac. But, listen to this, and this is, this is almost comical. In a foolish, impulsive moment, he traded his birthright for a meal. You know what he was greedy for? He was greedy for food. And he lost his own birthright. What else? Judas. Remember Judas who betrayed Jesus? Judas was greedy for money. But he was not just greedy for the 30 coins that he got for betraying Jesus. He was greedy for the fame that came with it. He wanted to be famous amongst his boys. And so he sold Jesus out because he was greedy for wealth and fame. What about Pilate? Remember Pilate? The ruler that Jesus stood before, and Pilate could have let him go, but the ruler said, no, I'm not letting him go. I'm not setting Jesus free because he was greedy for acceptance, popularity, and he sold out to the crowd. That's another form of greediness. What about Peter, one of uh, Jesus' disciples? All he wanted to do was fight. He wanted to revolt. Remember he, when, when Jesus was fixing to be betrayed in the garden? What did he do? He took his sword out and he tried to cut this, this soldier's head off and he missed and he caught his ear. And he cut his ear off. And Jesus picked up his ear and he put it back on the soldier and he said, put your sword away. Peter was greedy for justice rather than mercy. He wanted to fight. That's what I like about him, but that was also what's wrong with him, right? He wanted to fight, but Jesus said, show mercy. Don't show mercy. Don't revolt. And then the last one that I want to compare greediness to is the devil. Remember the devil? I mean, here he is. He's an angel in heaven, right? And what does he want? He wants the glory. He doesn't want God to have all the glory. So what does he do? He says, I want the glory. So he gets kicked out of heaven and becomes Satan himself because he wanted the glory and he didn't want to give it to God. He was greedy for glory. Now, here's the key verse that I want to focus in on today. Paul is speaking in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, and it says this. Read it with me, or just follow along as I read it. It says this. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly or sinful nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and what? Greed, Greed which is idolatry. Now, in this verse, Paul tells the church, he tells us, listen, he's not just talking to the people in the Bible, he's talking to us today, to put to death the sinful nature. And he said, well, what is that? Guess what? We're all born with it. 
I don't have to teach my kids the word mine, do I? Mine. That's my, my son, Hinton. He's like one and a half or something. Or I don't know how old he is. I've lost track. <laughs> he's one. But I don't have to teach him mine. He just knows it. For some reason, it's just built into us. Well, I know what the reason is. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered into the world, and we are all born with a sinful nature. And a part of that, a characteristic of that, is greed. Now, here's the truth. I can't define greed for you. I can't define it for you. Uh, There is such a fine line with uh, greed and then just desire or ambition, isn't there? I mean, if we were to be honest. There's a fine line there. There's a fine line with wanting uh, to become something and, uh, you know, and making it work, being successful, and then there's the line of greed. Now, I can tell you what it is for me. All right, you ready for this? I'll give you an example. This last Thursday, I got a phone call from a, a, a guy named Tim O'Brien. And Tim O'Brien is the editor, uh, the chief editor for Working Ranch Magazine. And uh, he called me, and, and I submitted some pictures that I'd taken on some ranches to him. And he called me, and he said, bro, I want to put one of your pictures on the cover of our next magazine. And I thought, oh, that's cool. And he says, well, $250 work for that. And, and, and here's, here, here's my greed. You know what I thought for a second? I wrote 300 I, I, and, and it's funny how God says, you know, teach about greed, and then he shows me my greediness. That's usually what happens. Instead of, instead of being excited that my picture was going to be on the cover of a magazine for the first time in my career, my picture was going to be on the cover of a magazine that goes, over to, uh, goes out to 55,000 ranchers that have at least 200 head on their ranch and is in every tractor supply in the country, I wanted more. That's what greed is. It's not being satisfied with what you've got, but always wanting more and more and more. That's what greed looks like. And the Bible is clear that greed shouldn't be a part of a believer's life. And you say, well, how do I know if I'm greedy? Write this down. You ready? Listen. You guys ready? It's cooler in here so you don't get to fall asleep. Okay? We're going to keep it cool in here so you're shivering. Okay? Now listen. How do I know if I'm greedy? How do you know if you're greedy? Number one. Ready? We make something or someone an idol. We make something or someone an idol. Look at Colossians 3.5. Go back up to it. It says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly or sinful nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is what? Say it again. Idolatry. idolatry. Paul uses another word for greed, which is idolatry. And you say, well, what is idolatry? Let me give you a definition. You ready for this? Idolatry is the worship of something created rather than the creator. Get it? Idolatry is worshiping something that is created rather than the creator, the one who created it. Now, I don't know if you ever heard the story in, in Exodus chapter uh, 32, and it's not going to be on there. But Exodus chapter 32, remember Moses? Moses is on the mountain, right? He goes up on the mountain, he gets up on the mountain, he's talking to God, and God gives him what? 
Two tablets. What do they have on them? The Ten Commandments, right? So Moses is on top of the mountain. He's on, on Mount Sinai, I think it was. And he's on top of the mountain, and he leaves Aaron, one of his trusted servants, down at the bottom of the mountain with the stiff-necked Israelites. Remember them? The people that were never satisfied. And Moses is gone for a little while. So what do the Israelites want to do? The Israelites tell Aaron, they go, Aaron, build us something to worship. We don't have anything to worship. We don't, we don't get to see God like Moses. So we don't have anything to worship. So what does Aaron do? Aaron says, give me all your gold. I think he, lived, he should live in our day, right? I mean, gold's worth something nowadays. Okay, anyways. <laughs> he says, give me all your gold. And what does he make out of their gold? A calf. A golden calf. And they bow down and they worship a golden calf because Moses took too long on the mountain. And you say, well, what does a golden calf symbolize? Well, it symbolizes something that we worship, something created rather than the creator. And it stands for that something. Well, what is your golden calf? Think about it. What's your golden calf? Teenagers? Your golden calf may be your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You sell out for that boy, and you sell out for that girl. You give up your relationships with everybody else. You give up your relationships with your parents, even though they say it's wrong, and you sell out because you're greedy for that boyfriend, and you make them an idol. Boys, the same way, you're greedy for that girlfriend, and you make them your idol. Adults, maybe your golden calf is your work. You put it before the Creator. Maybe, maybe, man, your uh, your your golden calf is your hobbies. <laughs> Am I touching on any uh, nerves today? Maybe it's your hobbies. Maybe, maybe it's what you do. You put it before your relationship with God, right? Women, maybe your your golden calf is shopping. <laughs> no amens on that one, ladies. Maybe, maybe you worship buying, 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 you know, QVC. Anybody QVC fans? That's old school, but you know, some, of you guys, some of you guys watch QVC all the time. And you got to buy, buy, buy. Listen, the truth is we all have a golden calf, and greed is what helps build it. Right? So, first of all, you say, well, how do I know if I'm greedy? I, we make something or someone more important than God. We make it an idol. Here's how else we, we know that, that we're greedy. It's all about me. It's all about me. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, it says, You shall have no other gods before me. You know who's talking there? God. You know what he says? He says, Don't put anything else before me, even yourself. Listen to this. The truth is, the greatest idol we have is ourself. Think about it. I mean, who do you think of first when something goes wrong? You think of yourself. Who do you think of first when, when something goes on sale? You think of yourself. And who do you think of first when you get a little extra money? You think of yourself. Can I get a witness? Oh, that was so weak. <laughs> Keep the lightning. Keep the lightning up. Don't, don't hit anybody today. Here's the deal. Listen, it is the desire to keep and control everything for me. Can I just pick on some greedy Christians today? Because I am one. Listen to this. 
Greedy Christians don't give things away, even though they have three of everything and only need two. You know why? Because they're, it's all about them. Greedy Christians don't tithe or give a portion to the church of what God has given to them. You know why? Because it's all about them. Greedy Christians don't give their time to the Lord to grow His kingdom. You know why? Because it's all about them. Greedy Christians don't share Christ with others. You know why? Even though they've got them, it's all about them. And so again, maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I'm not a Christian. I don't even want to be at church. There's so many drug me here. Listen, we're not perfect. And we struggle with these things. Greedy people think it's all about them. Now here's the third way that we know that we're greedy. You ready? Third way. To give what we want, we compromise our priorities and neglect our calling. To get what we want, we compromise our morals for pleasure. We compromise our beliefs for the sake of popularity with the culture. We neglect spending time with God because we're too busy trying to get more stuff. And we compromise our priorities. And we forget our calling. And you say, well, what should be my priorities? If you're telling me I'm compromising, tell me my priorities. You ready? You want to know your priorities, what your priorities should be? Number one, love God first. Can I get an amen on that? Love God first. What is our priorities? We are to love God first, and then we are to love our neighbor. And listen to this. If you're married, your wife or your husband comes after God. After God. I think a lot of times we, when we get married, we think, well, this is my golden calf. I'm going to take it and I'm going to enjoy it. And you should. But when you put someone else in front of God, it's still idolatry. And you say, are you, not, are you telling me not to love my, my wife or my husband? Absolutely not. Love them with all your heart, but don't put them before God. Right? And, and so we're to love our, our, our wives, and, and, and here's the deal. If you have kids, listen, this is important. I want you to hear this. Check this out. If you have kids, your wife and your, or your husband comes before your kids. I know, I know that just strung a nerve with somebody because you're like, my kids are the most important thing in my life. They shouldn't be. If you're married, your wife or your husband should come before your kids. If you're putting your kids' needs above your husband's or your wife's needs, your priorities are out of whack. I believe that why the, I believe the reason why there is so many unhappy marriages and so many divorces in our world today is because so many people put their kids before their wife or their husband. They neglect the, their wife's needs because they think it's more important to meet the needs and make our kids happy. That ain't the truth. And that's what the, the culture says. Listen, I'm not telling you not to love your kids. If you have kids, be committed to your kids as a godly parent. Put your kids ahead of your hobbies and your fame and your reputation, your pride, and even the deeds of this church. You say, well, I've got so much to do with this church. Listen, if you are neglecting your family, you need to get rid of something. Because it is about serving your family. You shouldn't gain all this stuff and make more money, find more worldly pleasure, all at the expense of your family. And listen, I'm preaching to myself. You know what my idol is a lot of times? Work. 
There's, there's, there's never a shortage of people in need. There's never a shortage of people that need counseling. There's never a shortage of practicing. There's never a shortage of studying. It's always, always there. You work so much that you neglect your wife or your husband's emotional and physical and spiritual needs. You neglect your kids. I'm, again, maybe speaking to myself here. Because you have to work. Listen. Your commitment to God should never be replaced with something or someone else, not even your work. It's just not worth it. I've never heard anyone say at the end of their life, man, I wish I had spent more time at work. Never heard it. Done a lot of funerals. Never heard that in the obituary. Never heard anybody say that before they died. But here's what I have heard. Man, I wish I would have spent more time at home. See, we get greedy for this when our kids are dying and going to hell. When our kids are, are making wrong decisions and our wife is feeling neglected and she finds somebody else that she likes that fulfills her needs. Because we're greedy. Listen, you got to put nothing before God. Now, understand this. I'm not telling you to quit your job and be a deadbeat so that you can love your family. Don't take me wrong. He's just telling me to go home. I don't have to work. I don't have to, I don't have to do anything. No, here's what I'm saying. Don't neglect the real priorities for greed. And, and here's the deal. You may be thinking, okay, bro, so we're all greedy. Thanks so much for the punch in the mouth. I, I'm really enjoying the blood in my mouth because you just punched me in my mouth. Now, listen, I'm not the one who's doing the punching, and the blood in my mouth tastes just as bad. You know why? Because I deal with this too. And you say, here's the real question. How do I overcome it? Ready? This is how I'm going to close the service. This is the most important part. If you're, if you're taking notes, listen to this. How do we put to death, as Paul said, greed? Listen, here's number one. God. You say, well, how do I put to death this greed that I deal with? I'm a greedy person. You've helped me realize that. How do I put it to death? But the first thing that you need is God. 1 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are, we are, are not weapons of the world. Listen to this. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Do you know what strongholds are? Greediness. We demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You say, well, how do I overcome greediness? You have to know God. You cannot overcome the sin of greed if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You can't do it. The world is too enticing, it's too sexy, it's too, you know, tantalizing, it's too strong, and you can't do it because you don't have the right weapons. It says that we have weapons of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So number one, to overcome greediness, you have to know God personally. You ready for number two? Number two is this, gratefulness. Number two, if you want to overcome greed in your life, number two is this. Great, gratefulness. Be grateful for what you have and content with what God has already given you. It is the key to overcoming greed. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 6 and 7. It says, But godliness with contentment is great 
gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Never seen it. So you guys, and myself included, that want to work for all this stuff, and you can't take it with you when you go. But you can be grateful for it. You can be grateful for it. Gratefulness is not just lip service. Oh, thank you, Lord. And then you take it. You're like, that's all about me. It's not just lip service. It leads to, to a life that shows that you're grateful. And here's number three. Gratefulness leads to this. Generosity. Generosity. And you say, well, you know, and I've heard people say, you're a Christian. You should live in poverty. <laughs> You're a pastor. You shouldn't have that nice of a house. You're supposed to have nothing. Your wife dresses too nice. I, I've heard it. You've heard it. You've seen some preachers that maybe they have something that's really nice, and you go, oh, that's not right. You should be in poverty. Listen, I, you better step back if you believe that, because here's my aim. My aim is to glorify God and be grateful for everything that he's given me and to use it for his glory. Because he's given me a lot, and I'm thankful for it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Listen to 1 Timothy 6, 17-19. Command those who are rich. And you say, well, I'm not rich. Count me out. Rich is relative. If you live in America, tends to, the, the statistics show that you are one of the most wealthy people in the world. It says... Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in who? God. God, who richly provides, I love this verse, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Say it again. Enjoyment. He's given us everything for our enjoyment. But, listen to this, command those, or command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You say, well, what's true life? Is it having all this stuff? Is, is it winning the lottery? Is it, is it, is it having a new laptop easy trailer? Is it buying a brand new piece of jewelry? Is it all this stuff? No, that's not true life. You know what true life is? It's being rich in good deeds. It's being grateful. It's having God in your life, and it's being generous with what you've got. And so you say, well, I'll say it this way. Enjoy your truck, but use it for God's glory. Enjoy your land, but use it for God's glory. Enjoy your vacation to the Bahamas, but take your pastor with you. I mean, that's what generosity looks like. <laughs> You got a company in Colorado? Use it for the furthering of the church, Pastor. <laughs> Listen, here's the bottom line. Remember that you, you, when you put your hope in all these things, even your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your wife, your kids, all those things, guess what? You're putting them before God. And here's what tends to happen. God doesn't bless that. He almost... Well, in, in this, and I don't know where I'm going here, but, but in, in many times he punishes us for that because we put something else before him. 
God is the only one that can satisfy your thirst. And through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you can find that fulfillment. You can find that fulfillment. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. Ask yourself these questions. What's my idol? Is it the person sitting next to you that you think you got to have and you put them before the Creator? Here's the next question. Where do you fall into the sin of greed? Here's the next question. Is it all about you and everyone else gets the shaft because you make it all about you? Listen, a marriage will never work if you believe that. It never does. Here's the next question. What are you neglecting and compromising only to gain more of what you already have? If you're here today, and, and I know that, again, we all deal with this sin of greed. Here's my question to you. Do you have a personal relationship with God? You say, well, I'm going to try this on my own. I can do it. I can do it on my own. I can overcome greed. I can say no to that temptation. I can, I can do it. I can do it. No, you can't. There's no way. Oh, you might be able to do it for a year. You might be able to do it for a little while. But listen, you will never be able to overcome sin on your own. You have to have a personal relationship with God. And that is found in believing and confessing Jesus as your Lord. And so if you're here today, and you say, well, I don't have a personal relationship with God. Listen, you can have it today. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what does it take to be saved? What does it take to know God personally? Confess him with your mouth. Say, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I want you to be all I have and all that I depend upon. And you confess that to him. Not only do you confess it, but you believe it in your heart. Again, it's not just about lip service. It's not about just claiming it. You've got to believe it in your heart and sell out to God so that he can give you the strength to overcome sin. Maybe you're a Christian already and you already know God. Are you grateful and content with what you have? And again, I'm not saying you can't buy more. I'm not saying that you can't you know, go out and get a new truck or buy a new house or build your dream home. I'm not saying you can't do any of that stuff. But don't do it by compromising or neglecting your priorities. If you're buying stuff that you don't have money for, it's a sin. 
And here's the last question. Are you generous with your resources? Are you given to this church so that we can grow the kingdom of God? Or do you just keep it for yourself? Listen, God wants all of you, not just half. Not just, not just Sunday. And so be generous with your time, with your money, with your resources, with the things that you have so that God can get the glory. If you're here today and you have a decision that you'd like to make, maybe you want to accept Christ or you just did, you confess Him as your Lord, you believe in your heart, listen, we want to know about it. So you can text me, our numbers will be on the screen, you can text me, text one of our elders, call us, write us a note, leave your name and number on the orange sheet out there on the desk table, and we will contact you so that we can share and celebrate in your decision that you made today. If you need counseling, we're here to help counsel you. And so come, help us, uh, help you. Well, we thank you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we have a standard to live by if we know you. It is the standard of God. And so Lord, help us to not accept what the culture says, but help us to live according to your word and your standard. Lord, we give you all the praise, and may you be the Lord of our life. May we never worship something or someone that is created, but the creator, God. And we give you all the glory. In the name I pray. Amen. Have a great day. Don't forget about that, that, the raffle tickets. If you want to buy a wild rag, they're out there. Sign up for a hoodie if you want a hoodie. There's three different styles.